Hey, podcast listeners, Matt here. If this podcast has brought you any value at all, we would love it if you would review it, recommend it to friends, let us know what you think, send us an email, info at cemeng.ca. We'd love to make the podcast better. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Energy Radio. This is episode 47. And on this week, we talk to CEM's very own mechanical engineering discipline head. But first, let me welcome my co-host, Lisa Barber. Lisa, welcome. Good afternoon, Matt. How are you doing today? Oh, I couldn't be better. And yourself? I'm very good. Thank you. Excellent. Good. Well, uh, without further ado, I'd like to invite and welcome to the Energy Radio podcast, Mr. Mirza Raymond, who is our mechanical engineering discipline head. Mirza, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Matt. How are you feeling about this? <laughs> oh, I'm really enthusiastic about it. All right. I can see your full face. Sometimes when we talk, I can only see you from like, you know, Wilson on Home Improvement <laughs> half, halfway up. So I can yeah. see your, your full beautiful face, your CEM uh, merch that you have on. Um, so this is great. I'm, I'm equally excited and uh, I know Lisa is too. It's always a pleasure to chat with some of our own folks and uh, let the world kind of hear a little bit about yourself. And so we'll give you the floor, Mirza, and uh, just kind of give us a bit of your your backstory in terms of, um, yeah, wherever you want to take it. Uh, what's, the, uh, what's the man behind the legend in terms of <laughs> Mirza Raymond? Well, it's a long story, and I think we only got a short time here, but... Uh, we have an uh, hour, so take your time. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in a small town, uh, country in the northeast coast of South America. The country is Guyana, and I grew up in a small town named Breeding Hoop of Guyana. So I started my, my life there, went to high school in Guyana. Uh, the premier, premier high school in Guyana is a college called Queen's College, and I attended that in high school. And I was encouraged to to move on to higher education. So I came to Canada in 1977 and started my life in Canada at university. I went to University of Waterloo, completed a bachelor's in structural engineering and a master's in mechanical engineering, and then started my career working in various industries. I started out in a manufacturing company working designing boilers and then I moved on to consulting where I spent a number of years in three of the major consulting firms in Canada before joining CEM. So they've done a lot of different things, traveled around the various places, worked in sites in various industries and um, I'm really very fortunate to be joining CEM and being able to share some of my experiences with my background with all the folks at CEM. Mirza, backing up for just a, a minute, like you're, you're in high school before you start university, how did you know you wanted to become an engineer? Like, did you, you know, were you like playing with things when you were like five years old and said, this is what I want to be when I grow up or how did that come about? Well, that's an interesting question. Now, my dad is a contractor. He is a okay. civil contractor. So he traveled the country a lot because projects are all over him. So 
I used to tag along with him just for the ride and going out there. And but I saw a lot of these. He pulled out a lot of these blueprint drawings, and I kind of used to question why you have to make uh, this structure this big or this thing, this pump, this size. And being a contractor, he had some ideas, but he was never fully conversant, you know. So I said, I want to learn about these things. I really got to know what is the science behind this. And that's kind of where I started my whole interest in engineering. And is I was fortunate enough, my subjects at, you know, at high school were, you know, physics and the math. That's where I excelled. And it just led to having that interest in, in, the, in the sciences uh, led me on to engineering. Hmm. So in, in high school, you were questioning uh, why a, a civil or a structural design was so big. And here we are all these years later, and you're still questioning <laughs> why, why the structural design is so big. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. very true. Exactly. I have to know the details behind it. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I love it. And I, I love that story of growing up in the industry. I have a a similar story. My father has been in renewable energy for now uh, 35 years, I think. And, uh, you know, so I, I grew up, same thing, you know, going to project sites or going to operating sites. And yeah, the, there's there's some spark that comes uh, when you, uh, when you uh, see that at an early age, you kind of catch the vision and you catch the excitement. And uh, that, that's great. Now, we, we talk about engineering, Mirza, as, as the calling of, of being an engineer. Uh, and and this kind of elevated responsibility uh, to the public and and to broader society to you as Mirza, what does it mean to be an engineer? Why why uh, you know why do you get out of the bed every morning and, and come into CEM and and do what the work that you do? What does it mean to be an engineer? Uh, the first thing for me, engineering means safety. It's it's not a science. Engineering to me is an application of science in real life problems. And the first and foremost things that you look at is being able to do what you do, make sure safety is paramount in engineering. And that's the first thing, that's the most important thing in, in my uh, career as an engineer. I'll, there are other aspects of things that are important, but the most paramount thing for me is safety. I, as I get up in the morning, I tend to try to uh, ensure that whatever I did the day before, I kind of question it in my mind to see, make sure that double check it, just to make sure that it is safe. And sometimes uh, coming out of bed, I'm the freshest in the morning. I, I'm usually, my brain is ticking over at 5.30 in the morning <laughs> so I can get my best vision of my problems, uh, technical problems, and I re resolve them in my mind before coming into work. So, and, and, you know, safety certainly is preeminent, but the safest thing would be not to get out of bed in the morning, right? Like that's probably <laughs> the safest thing. Uh, <laughs> There, there's, there's more to it than just, you know, safety. Uh, I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you here a little bit. Like it's, you know, if, if, if it was just safety, we wouldn't progress. We wouldn't develop, we wouldn't build, we wouldn't do any of that. I realize safety has to be important in everything that we do, but 
to me, there's 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 more, and and I've seen you contribute more than just you know the safety aspect. What other aspects of engineering are, are you know really important to you? Well, the, the engineering is um, I enjoy the team effort of engineering. It is a it's you know engineering is not an individual sport. It's a team effort, and I I really enjoying listening to different thoughts and um, opinions of, of things and sharing my my experiences too with the team and we work as a team to resolve a problem and and seeing that grow into a, a real uh, installation functioning installation to assist uh, society uh, but I do enjoy the, the team effort of the engineering aspect that's that's mm. really it, it, it builds a bond with individuals. And Mirza, you you have like a, a bit of a unique background in the sense that you have the your structural engineering degree, but you also have the mechanical engineering degree. So do, when you're looking at engineering as a whole, does that give you kind of a an advantage, would you call it? It it, it definitely does. It, it allows me to to cross boundaries of disciplines and which is very helpful you know when we're in our projects that we do to have to be able to to understand both disciplines i must say i am not electrical I, I i can't double in electrical but i i was told anyway that in electrical engineering there's only three equations you need to know anyway so <laughs> anything be, anything beyond that you just say it's all imaginary it's all exactly yeah yeah but uh but it's, it's it's important to be able to understand the various disciplines and not, you know, pigeonhole yourself into into one area. You might have that expertise, but to be a good engineer, you should be able to contribute in the various aspects of of the design. Mm. So let, let's talk about even broader than engineering as we get to know you a little bit more, and I'm sure we'll come back to engineering, but. What uh, what does Mirza do outside of work? You know what uh, what uh, what other activities or hobbies or what's what's beyond just work? Because it's not all about just work, right? And that is very true. I've never looked at my profession as the only part of my life. I you know as a kid growing up, I played sports in the Caribbean. Cricket is considered to be next best thing to religion. <laughs> because it is every little child you 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 got to play a sport and cricket was a big sport so i and played is, a lot that, of cricket is that because of the, the the british empire influence is that what it, it is it is a lot to do with that and it also has a lot to do with um the fact that it does not cost much mm. to play the game to create and being growing up in in Guyana, there was a lot of a lot of poor folk, but they enjoyed the game of cricket and cricket. And you can create a ball out of anything and a bat out of anything, and you have a lot of land. So land was open land, so it was easy to play the game. 
uh, cricket is one of and our this our listeners are probably saying well, we didn't tune in for this but we don't we don't care we're here so uh we do care about what our listeners think and give us the feedback and send us an email matt at c-e-m-e-n-g.ca but back to cricket um it's a sport that i've i'm an avid sports fan as as many of you know cricket is a sport that i've never really understood the rules to like i understand that it's somewhat like baseball but it's not so I think we need to get a CEM cricket game going this summer mm-hmm. where cuz cuz there's others, you know, others from other parts of the world where cricket is a big sport and you could teach the rest of us the rules and we could, you know, embrace it. I remember going to Mac and walking around the big open fields and there was always a bunch of guys mostly from, you know, southern Asia who were playing cricket and I always thought, "Oh, I'd love to play." Like it's just it's such an interesting sport. And I could never like I can kind of get rugby, I can kind of get some of these other sports, but I've never really got cricket. So we'll we'll take that offline. We'll but let's make sure line. we get a CEM cricket game. Now there's another sport that I know you also yep. play a little bit, uh, right? I do. I as as I kind of rested uh, rested my gloves and my cricket bat down. I decided I want I got to keep going with the sports activities. So I I started being a golfer. I don't claim to be a very good golfer, but I like the outdoors. I like the friendships. I like playing on different courses. And I try to hit that ball, a little white ball into the hole, and I just can't seem to get it there, but I do enjoy it. <laughs> In addition to that, uh, a bit, I'm a bit of a handy kind of guy. I like to do some woodworking you know, and fixing up my, 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 the problems in my vehicles as well. I like to be challenged, you know, and uh, it does it does makes me makes my mind keep uh, active well <laughs> let's uh speaking of challenges let's kind of maybe take it back to to engineering and what what are some of the you know you've been with us now uh over over a year uh probably getting you know not too far away from 2 years what are some of the challenges that you've kind of encountered as we're you know as you're doing your role leading the mechanical group um, you know, we'll talk about some good success stories in a minute, but some challenges as it relates to engineering and energy projects that you've come across from your vantage point. Um, in working at CM, some of the challenges is that a lot of the things that we do, we we we're not. Um, We don't have a, a standards and stuff, but we have to kind of uh, bring our different knowledge to base to, to the forefront. In other words, I have to do a lot of things that um, that could have been easily could be standardized and, and so forth. So the challenge is bringing my knowledge that I have from various backgrounds to sharing it with the with the team and helping build a group. And um, I, I find that was, and I enjoy that because it does, it does, it does uh, allow me to share my experiences and my knowledge with the younger and younger engineers and, and build their knowledge base. But it, it is a big challenge when, you know, a lot of the young engineers have not seen some of the things that you've seen over that, my 30 year span of career yeah yeah we always talk about 
clients want consultants with gray hair or no hair. Uh, and and what's really meant by that is, is you know, we want, because uh, some of us color our hair to avoid that, right? But, uh, we you know, you know that what they really mean is they want experience, right? They want yeah. people yeah. who have seen stuff go sideways and that learning can be brought to the job. And it's been fun to watch you bring that um, into the organization um to you know in a, in a nice way because sometimes people come in from other organizations and it's like well it's my way or the highway or it's you know it's experience that doesn't really fit the, you know but you've done a good job of you know taking the best of what we've done over the years on our projects and, and the best of what you've done and to kind of merge the two together um so yeah it's it's uh they're, they're, what about a technical challenge something that you know, is really a project or a, an aspect of a project that has been a real technical challenge that you and your team have had a chance to to solve together well technical challenge we've had a you know a number of our projects um we had situations with piping analyses and um uh, overstressing conditions that impact uh, vessels and tanks and i remember one of them we had um on one of our projects that was very interesting that um you know we uh, initially, the team didn't know what to do, but in my experience, I've been able to work with the team and um, come up with different techniques to to resolve the situation, such that we're no longer overstressing the the vessel. Because a lot of times, when you get when you get um, information from a vendor on a vessel, they are very conservative in their and what they give you is the allowable forces and moments on the vessel. So now you can either use that and that will certainly create an overstressed condition according to what they've given you. But if you are creative in your engineering and uh, we utilized a, a bulletin that I've used in the past, it's WRC 107 bulletin to determine and you model the nozzle connections in with that bulletin and you can able to determine that the uh, the forces and moments allowed for that particular shape of nozzle is much higher than what the vendor was giving you. So you, you've got to be very uh, creative in you going back to your first principles of engineering and that takes reading of different papers that, you know, this, these kinds of problems are encountered long before we at CM, so you've mm. got to now, now um, you and I and Lisa, we all know what WRC one hundred and seven is. Um, you know, we we all all three of us use it quite often, I'm sure. Uh, but let's let's step back just for the benefit of our listeners. When you talk about you know um, piping design, you talk about stress. You know, maybe some of our listeners aren't sure what you mean. Go back really to to first principles, Mers, and talk to us about what what aspect of a project, like what 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 are you actually talking about when you talk about piping system design and stress and nozzles and you know give us give us the crash course on piping design well in, in simpler terms uh, you know we deal in a lot of piping that uh, high temperature piping the you know and um, as such when you install instill height um, you heat a piece of pipe up it's made of metal so it tends to want to expand and because it tends to want to expand, if you do not allow that expansion of the pipe to, to expand, you will create a lot of stresses in the pipe, thermal stresses. 
And that thermal stresses have got to go somewhere and they usually go into supports or they would go, they would be induced into the vessels or tanks that you attach the piping to. And they work towards the code that if you, if you, if you create, if you impose stress to the extent, to the point of keep imposing stress on a pipe, on, on any piece of metal, you have the yield point. And once you get the yield point of the material, you go into what is called a plastic zone. And you can create what is called a plastic hinge. And then you get failure. So to avoid getting that much stress, you have to do certain things such as induce uh, stress relieving or you, uh, you built in loops in the piping to make it very flexible. So cool. to reduce any of the stresses. And and Mirza, you've likely seen this kind of done wrong in the past. At some point, I would presume. What can you think about a project that you know it may be in your past that you've been exposed to where that this whole thing you know this wasn't done properly, and as a result, there was a big disaster. Um, in my past, there was. I've never worked on a project where there was a disaster, but I've worked on projects where we ended up, we had problems in the pipe stress analysis, and when it got to the field, we had to make some severe changes. Mm. In other words, before it can be, before we can commission the system. So we avoided a disaster, but certainly it was very costly at the time of construction. Mm -hmm. That had to create some rerouting of the piping. Yeah, you you made me think of something. And I know Lisa's got some other questions here, but you you have a phrase that I absolutely love, and we have not leveraged it enough, both internally and externally. But the phrase talks about what something costs at yeah. different stages. Do you know the phrase I'm talking about? Can, yes. Can can, and, can you, you walk? Know. And we have to clip this out, uh, by the way, and get this as a standalone piece of content because I, I just think this is the coolest and we have to build some, this, this is a really cool and, and, and I don't know where it comes from Mirza, but the way you lay it out is so, so can I, I've teed you up. Can you kind of walk us through, you know, what that is and, and what your phrase is? I just love it. You know, as when I started on my career, I was working in, as I said, in a boiler manufacturing industry and everything was, done the drawing board and so forth and um, I dealt with a lot of gray-haired I was just a young pup at that time I dealt with a lot of gray-haired engineers and this one engineer you know he sat me down and he said to me he said I'll tell you a bit of my experience and he said to me you know, and these are some simple ratios he said whenever you do a calc and you make a change it'll cost a dollar and you on the calc sheet that make that change. When you put it on the drawing board and you make a change, it'll cost $10 to make that change. When you put it in issued for construction and you make a change, it'll cost you $100 to make that change. When you build it in the field and you make a change, it'll cost you $1,000 to make that change. 
And those ratios are stuck with me. So uh -huh. it is best that you can fix the problem at the calc stage than when it puts it out on the field because it definitely is going to cost a hell of a lot more. And it is true in my 30 plus years of experience, I've seen it happen. You know, it's not something that you want. And I, I'm, I'm a strong believer. I, I don't believe in, in ignoring a problem, even if it's in the field. And that we, uh, as I answered before, we had this problem with things happening in the field that were, you know, significant changes. And uh, but you've got to do it before the bottom line is safety, and you, you've got to make those changes as bad as it may be. Yeah. Well, and I like to. You know, you and I have talked about this before, and and you you say if it's if you have to change it in construction, it costs a thousand dollars, and to build onto that, if 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 it's something that fails during operations, it could cost ten thousand or a million dollars, depending yep. on what it is, right? And so, you know, it really and what I love about that, it's so elegant. It's like get it right on paper mm -hmm. first. So easy to change at that point. The farther you go down, the more expensive it is to change, and uh, that's a, that's a really really salient uh, wisdom for all of us uh, in this space. So thank you. And it's exponential in terms of cost. It's just, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like we almost need to, uh, to put that somewhere in our office on a wall. Like that's such a great, to me that, that really kind of helps illustrate why you get an engineer involved so early on. Right. Oh, yeah. Like the importance of really doing it and the importance of selecting a good engineer who's, you know, obviously tied in with the technologies that you're working with, um, but somebody who really understands the project. So, and very interesting. How long have you been with CEM for again now, Mirza? How many years is it? It's going on, um, it's been a year and three quarters thereabouts. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so in that year and three quarters, can you talk about, I guess, your favorite project? Give us a little bit of idea. Give the listeners an idea of the size of the project, what type of project it was and why you like it so much. Of all the projects, is that uh, the favorite one that I, I I was part of is the Nutrient Project. It's I've uh, been able to come in at a time when it was just being kicked off, so it was I was able to to be part of that for most of the part and be close to that project. And it's a fair sized project. Um, number of man hours to. Uh, number of the uh, you know 60 megawatts thereabouts and it was um it was interesting because it you know it was we had a detailed spec we know we had to get done we we did it in the way that we we wanted to execute the proper engineering project we had a design basic document written we had a, pro a good team on the job we executed the engineering uh, we did have hiccups like any projects. Um, I mean, it's no project is without its challenges, but it's it's one of the my favorite projects that uh, I worked on at CEM. Very cool. And and now in that year and three quarters, I've been with CEM for about four and a half, almost four and a half years, and I've seen a significant amount of change. But you've seen probably even more change in the sense that, you know, our company has grown quite substantially over the last, I'll say, year and a half, two years. Um, what are you most excited about in terms of the growth of CEM? Like, you know, when you walk into the office and the changes that you're seeing, what, what do you, you know, what are you kind of excited about? 
I'm excited about when I come into the CEM, I'm excited about being able to um, to to be part of the change, to be able to have the young engineers that work in my team come and ask me questions. You know, what do you think about this? So I, 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 that's, I mean, to be able to mentor and to be able to share my experiences. And, and, and I'm very, I'm in my career path, I've collected so much information in my time, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I never had the luxury of um, Wikipedia or, you know, YouTube or internet when I started my career. So, but, you know, you dug in and you collected a lot of stuff in your time and I'm, I'm so happy that I can pass it on to the young engineers. It, it, it's, it's really makes my day when I, when, when I get approached, uh, what do you think of this technical issue? What do you think about this? quality and, and and managing you know i mean not just technical i mean i've been asked things about you know procedures about uh, qa what about about managing styles mm. because i've been in i've worked in industries and large companies in in the consulting world and everybody does things differently so uh, you know, I've been asked about um, how do you do it in the in your previous life and so forth, and um, bringing that to the forefront is really, and and not only bringing it to the forefront, but bringing it to the forefront where it's welcomed. You know, where you know the team and including Matt and yourself, you know, welcome the knowledge, and it it is such a joy to do that. And that's what I'm really enjoying with CEM, be able to pass on all my experiences to the company. I, I don't know if the listeners are feeling it, but you know, on the other side of the uh, the screen here, the the passion in your voice is incredible. Like I'm really feeling that it's a uh, it's a pretty cool feeling. So it's and it's a good story. And, and what I love about, and I want to, I want you to talk a bit about this, Mirza, is is you know the the natural extension of that for for you has been not only the young engineers who are you know somewhere between 1 and 5 years out of school but even earlier than that in the co-op programs and and you've been a real proponent of always having a co-op student or two as part of our team and um, the benefit so talk to us a bit about your vision with with co-op students and universities and colleges and why that's beneficial and and how that can be successful yeah well, you know, as as you mentioned, I am I'm a strong proponent of, of co-op students because to me, co-op students are an investment. It's like investing in in a piece of software. You want to do pipes analysis, you invest in in Caesar. Students are the same way. That's so that's you invest in a student, you encourage them. You have built their career path, and you would not see the benefits of that. But you are initially, but if you think of it as an investment in the long run, then you see the young engineer flourish, and then look at your company as you know as as a, as a place where they want to build their career, and they join our company, and it's 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 a really uh, it's 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 really. Um, a joy to know that they're selected 
CEM as their first place to start their career other than, you know, any other company out there. So I kind of feel that encouraging co-op students to come in at the stage when they're going through their engineering career, it's, it's really uh, uh, important for us if we want to grow. Yeah, it's a, I 100% agree with you. And you mentioned something about you might not see the investment payoff either right away or potentially ever. And I think one of the values of a co-op program, and I was a beneficiary of this uh, in, in a strange way, is, is that as co-op students, you get to see different contexts and different industries and different types of business models. Uh, I remember when I was a student, I was a co-op uh, at uh, co uh, OPG, Ontario Power Generation in Nanakoke, Ontario. And they invested in me like crazy. And I got to see so many things and I got to you know learn so many. And, and the mentorship I had from the small group that I was in was tremendous. And And they never got to see the dividends of that because I didn't end up staying and I didn't end up staying because it was clear to me through those eight months that this is not a business model for me, you know, and, and it's not, it's, it, yes, the money was, was good and it was power generation and all that stuff, but there was too much structure, uh, not enough entrepreneurship there. Uh, I didn't know it at the time, but it gave me a sense and a taste of this is not, you know, and I think, you know, Mirza with your leadership, we, we do a good job of giving people a glimpse of a bunch of different aspects of the business, let them try different things, let them relate with other people. And they get a really good sense as well of, hey, you know, this is for me. I want to come back when I'm done. Or, hey, this was great. Thank you very much. I need a company with more structure or I need to be in construction or, you know. Mm -hmm. But still, we have an opportunity and an obligation to to invest in them while we are here. So I've always appreciated your advocacy and your, you know, leadership in that area as part of our team. Now you've invested. You're obviously investing in in you know these co-op students, Mirza. Did you have somebody that kind of you looked up to or that mentored you uh, while you were sort of going through the uh, initial stages of your career? I uh, yes, I did. I had a, a, a retired engineer now, but um, certainly, you know, it was. I actually met this person prior to joining. The first company that I I, I joined, um, and he was an engineer working at Atomic Energy at one time, and um, you know, and it's true friendships that I, I I met him, and um, he mentored me, and then he he switched companies, and it so happened that I joined the company that he switched to, uh, that was Babcock and Wilcox. Uh, he joined Babcock and Wilcox in Cambridge, and. I ended up being part of that company there, but he, he mentored my career as a young engineer going, you know, graduate, uh, where to focus. Yeah. Mm. For our listeners, Babcock and Wilcox is also the name of the two grumpy old guys on the Muppets who sat in the balcony. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's actually not true. Um, for some reason, I think of that sometimes when I hear that, but it's a, a pre preeminent boilermaker. Um, so Mirza, what are you excited about for, you know, in our industry, you're getting more and more exposure to, you know, the energy space and the types of jobs we're starting to work on, we're pursuing, um, you know, there, there's, there's developments in a bunch of different areas, you know, and we can scale kind of our expertise. And we talked about pipe stress and we talked about, you know, different aspects of what we do that can be applied. What excites you about the next 
you know, five years. You talked a bit about it from an organizational perspective at CEM, but what about from a industry or a technology perspective? What are some of the things that you're, you know, seeing and, and, and getting excited about? Um, I'm getting excited about the renewable side of things. Uh, uh, that's really, really exciting me and the ability to harness renewable energy you know, and create renewable natural gases and um, hydrogen, uh, because those kinds of fuels are going to be the future. Now, I, I have also was very excited when I, I was part of the nuclear program for a long time, you know, so it's, you know, seeing some of this kind of uh, technology was exciting, yeah, but this is definitely coming to CM and seeing part of the renewable aspects I think that's really exciting for, for me to be, I um, really appreciated being part of this and trying to build our company in, in this part of the business, yeah. And the pipe, the pipe doesn't care what's in it, it's going to stress the same way, right? The pipe doesn't care what exactly, I've often said that, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, it, a pump is a pump, it doesn't matter where you put it, if you put it in a nuclear power station or you put it in a renew, it's a pump. Interesting. So it, it doesn't matter. Um, we use some taglines for some of our kind of posts more recently, Mirza, to really kind of, uh, well, educate, inform, and inspire our listeners. Obviously, the podcasts, you know, we feel and hope is one of those. But do you have a specific story that you can think of that any story that, uh, you know, educates, inspires, or informs? Yes. Um Yeah, I, I, I would I like to share a story. It's uh, in my career, you know, I was fortunate, as I mentioned, uh, to work in the nuclear industry. And being part of that industry, I was able to work very closely with the nuclear plants in Canada, a number of them. And um, being able to, to go to parts of the plant that normally other people would not be able to to see in a normal circumstance because of security clearances and so forth. And it was, you know, it, it was really exciting to me and I was uh, to share my, my, to be able to see the, the workings of a can-do plant. Now, can-do is a Canadian mm -hmm. developed technology. It's one of the five top the invention or creations in Canada in terms of engineering feats. Uh, the Canada Arm is another one, but the CanDo is one of the first. And to be part of that and to be able to be seeing the workings of a CanDo plant and the engineering that went into developing a CanDo plant is a lifetime experience that you I really, really appreciate it and um, would certainly encourage our young engineers to be able to see some of the, the, the developments that the Canadian engineers have been part of in, in bringing to the forefront of the world. Yeah, it, and it's it's so important to, you know, have these types of forums where those stories can be told because, you know, if we don't tell those stories, we forget about them, right? Because uh, the can-do reactor does not take front and center stage, but you're right, it's, it's easily top five in terms of, you know, Canadian innovation. And if Canada is going to continue to succeed on a global stage, we need to continue to innovate. And so, you know, I think it's helpful to tell those 
stories and inspire. I, and I'm so appreciative of Lisa asking the question because, you know, it gives you the forum to, to say you were inspired by that. And then it challenges all of us to say, okay, what can we do to inspire the next generation to drive mm-hmm. in innovation and in renewable fuels and in, you know, all these different things. Um, so yeah, I appreciate you sharing that, uh, that story, Mirza. As, as part of that, Mirza, just thinking of something else, um, you know, there's, we have a lot of younger people, I think, listening in, uh, you know, who are either engineers or maybe just starting their career. And, you know, you've obviously got a lot of experience and you've been inspired throughout your career. What, what do you think is necessary to kind of push the boundaries of somebody's own career to kind of get them to step them up to the next level? You know, what, what, like, what's, is it, is it, you know, uh, you know, site time, on-site time, so that their engineering can become better. What's what's the magic formula to kind of push the boundaries for somebody? It's yeah. Uh, site time is important, but I think uh, for a young engineer is to push the boundaries. It's going to be software technology in my mind they're they're oh. going to create you know you you see that the um the things uh the the googles of the world and all this creation i mean internet in itself you know was a boundary that i was fortunate to see be part of the world that where there wasn't ever an internet-based platform and then there was an internet-based platform and um to see that happen, and I think we'll have to, for us to get to the next level, with, because of all the different technologies we have, we'll build it on paper and mm-hmm. software before we can build it out there. Yeah, and it's such an interesting, I've thought a lot about this, it's such an interesting dynamic in our space because for innovation to happen, people need to have a safe space to take risks and to try stuff, right? And at the same time, you know, Mirza just said when he gets out of bed in the morning, he worries about safety. And so we are paid um, to mitigate safety, and yet innovation requires us to take risks, right? In in some aspects of our business, if we screw up, people die. Like, let's be candid mm-hmm. about this, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, if something electrically or even on a high-pressure steam line, if it goes sideways, you know, very scary things can happen. And yet there is this need to move the needle on innovation. And so, you know, that's, I don't know how we do that internally or externally as an, as an environment, but doing both, you know, creating a safe space for innovation and risks and failing and trying and learning to happen. Uh, and then also to make sure that we do our job of maintaining safety and, and uh, sending everybody home, you know, safely that that's a tough dynamic for us as leaders in this engineering space. Yeah, and getting back to the safety aspect, you know, we can do things, a lot of things in virtual mode and not hurt anybody and create that before we build something mm-hmm. out there. And that's where it is going to be. We can we can try things. Engineers, you must be always be in the way to innovate and create, but you have to have an ability to create in a, in a safe way. And we can do that in a virtual environment, and that's the that's the way of the future, I think. Mm. So the more the more software or the more programs, presumably that a young person can expose them to, the better off. Then, right, Mirza? Yeah, because the ability to try things without having 
you know, jeopardizing safety and 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 and, and for that matter, um, costs and it, it's it, and trying things. You you want to make sure that happens first, and then you can then put it out in the field. So that's learning on paper is a lot, and and with with software, it's going to be a lot easier for for us to try new things. Hmm. Yeah. Very good. Well, as we kind of land the plane here, Mirza, is there anything else kind of as we conclude that uh, you want to offer to our listeners, whether it's engineering or career advice or energy or something, you know, to help their, you know, bring down their golf handicap? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am still looking for that recipe, but uh, maybe you can share that one with me. But um, well, there's one, I mean, this is offline from the conversation, but we, you and I just have to finally play golf together and 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 do that more often that will help both of our handicaps at the same time yeah. <laughs> but know, uh, some, some parting that. some parting words yeah parting words yeah uh, i'd like to you know engineering is a very exciting field and i'd like to i really would like to encourage young engineers to 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 join the young young students to join the engineering field because with the way things are going right now i i one of my dreams was to be able to time travel and time travel into the future because engineering is going to take us to places and to things that we can do where, where it's i guess uh, as the way it says in um in um in star wars go where no man has gone before and i i I'm look i can't wait to be part of that if i could be but i would certainly encourage young students to to try to be part of this dream for us, yeah, part of engineering. Yeah. So we're 49 minutes in, and it was all going well, Mirza. The whole, <laughs> the whole conversation was going well, except, as you may know, I am a big Star Wars person, and that was a Star Trek quote. And there is a bit of a... <laughs> oh, that's, that's a Star Trek. That's a big difference. <laughs> a little, little difference. A little difference, yeah. We will uh, we will forgive it for this time. I'm sure we'll have you back on the show uh, after much consideration and deliberation after a <laughs> faux pas like that. But no, I, whereas I appreciate uh, your words, Lisa. Any other you know closing thoughts after this uh, delightful conversation with Mirza? No, I I mean I I had a lot of fun on this podcast with you, Mirza. This was uh, fantastic, and just kind of hearing the stories of where kind of your career started and your childhood and you know, the importance of engineering to you and just, uh, you know, how you describe the importance of what you do, um, I thought was very inspirational. So thank you very much for uh, being a guest on Energy Radio. And thank you both for allowing me the opportunity to share some of my knowledge. And it was a real pleasure, you know, being part of the team and meeting new people at CEM. And it's, it's, it's you know, it's like a family. And I do appreciate that kind of uh, that part of the, our relationships with, with, with everyone at CEM. Cool. Well, thank you again, Mirza. Uh, it, it has been fun. Lisa, thank you uh, always for joining me along the way. Most on, beha on behalf of both Mirza and Lisa and our man behind the glass, the mustachioed Mark Charbonneau, my name is Matt Lensink, and this has been episode 47 of Energy Radio. And until we meet again, have fun and stay safe. Bye bye. <laughs>